Welcome to Six Degrees of Rumination with your hosts, Nina Boyd, Rena Gorman, and their producer, Mike, who is currently wondering, I thought we were done. Like, this is episode 101. No. I, my contract is up. What no. am I doing here? Thank you for bringing up what number we're on, though, yeah. because we were just saying that this is sort of like Six Degrees 101, if exactly. you will. Ladies and gentlemen, I've been kidnapped. Please notify the authorities. <laughs> they won't let me go. Please. I oh. think we have a great sampling of articles that kind of cover all of our favorite themes throughout the last 100 episodes so if you're just now starting to listen to us this is a good episode i think well this one's this one zeroes in basically just on mainly the brain so isn't that like the nexus of everything we talk about yeah that's a good point it's it's all about the brain i thought everything we talked about was dolphin rape and terminators what are you talking about yeah but dolphin rape is driven by brain activity in dolphins so there you have it (laughs) a mix of brain and instinct so just so you know what you're getting yourself into we're talking about stuff like using ultrasound or magnetic stimulation on the brain uh we're talking about interfacing computers with the brain what else are we talking about nina Mm, talking about different ways to study the brain specifically its tissue um (laughs) what happens with your brain if we suddenly add extra body parts to the human body (laughs) Um, some good old Elon Musk is in here can't pass that up we've got some different kinds of illusions um, in this and then we've got a really fun way to uh, uh, take you above and beyond at the very end so stick in there hang in there to the very end if you really want to go deep into the rabbit hole I think all of our listeners will stick around they always do they love rabbit holes Mm -hmm. yeah all right, Nina, you want to uh, start us off with this first one? I'll take it away. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of researchers have agreed that um, your brain activity spikes after you die. A lot of studies have found that to be true anyway. But this study specifically zeroes in on new ways to test the brain tissue. Um, and it kind of opens up, I think, different doors for looking at the brain later and different ways to, to test it and study it and explore what's possible and certain things like that. So like the multiple so, choice tests? Yes. Th- they work, even when Better you're dead. Better when you're dead, right. What Save all the SATs you're going to take, all the like <laughs> passing the bar exams for when, after you die. Are you still alive? A, no. B, <laughs> I don't know. See, oh, that's interesting. All of the above, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Perfect. D. I've got test anxiety. I don't know. My God, test anxiety is like a made-up problem. I think says someone who doesn't have test anxiety. No, I feel like I do, but then so does everyone. Because well, if, if you think you've got test anxiety, then how is it a made-up thing? No, okay. Like people get anxious when they take tests, but that's normal because <laughs> if it's a test that you care about, you should be kind of worried about how you do. It's not right. like. It, I don't know. So it's anxiety about yeah, the test. It's it test like, anxiety. If you let it take you over and like paralyze you, then that's different. You should just accept yeah. the fact that like it's okay to be worried about it and then just do your best. We're all in our late 30s. Why dead. do you have test anxiety? <laughs> None of us are at school. You know what? <laughs> what are you like talking about? Every episode we do is sort of like a test. We have no, it's to, not. Yeah, because we have to read these articles <laughs> and explain them well and like talk. I mean, you don't. But it's a test of your humor and your ability to put up with us. Which is not very good these so, days. If you were dead right now, it might work better. Your brain activity would spike. <laughs> so think about that for the next episode. Kill yourself in advance. <laughs> anyways, Nia, you were anyways, saying... I hate okay. this job. All right. Okay. So let me backtrack a little bit here. Um, 
so a lot of studies, I guess, in the past used to assume that when the heart stops beating, everything in the brain stops also, but that's not true. Um, and a lot of the studies that they've done um, on patients with Alzheimer's and things like that um, are usually dependent on testing brain samples, like post-mortem brain samples, and they're collected 12 more hours after someone dies. Um, but this study, I think, <laughs> like just like these like brain harvesters, just like sitting there, like at the death, baby, like, okay, now he's dead. Okay, let me get that brain while it's still fresh. Like while the family's there, it's like, uh, well, can, can we wait? I mean, you're kind of joking, but the the article does mention that like if they're able to study the brain before people die, that's better. Like if they can get living tissue, and then they they put the tissue basically in petri dishes at room temperature and they let it die, and that's how they've done this test to see okay. you know if the brain activity spikes. I'm down. You can you can test my brain for that's science. But okay, when I was reading this, I sort of wondered like where are they getting these samples you know like who is still alive saying take part of my brain and let it die in a petri dish can you imagine like i'm down who you would do that maybe what part of your brain would you donate brainstem <laughs> <laughs> prefrontal cortex maybe yeah yeah pre, pre, pre uh prefrontal cortex that's that's where all the juicy stuff is yeah but you need that I mean, not on my deathbed. <laughs> okay, I suppose so. Yeah, if you know you're going to die, that's a good point. If you know yeah. you're going to die, you can say, I'm still alive now, but I'm going to die in like six hours. Go ahead and take my brain and study it. So anyway, the study um, labeled these genes um, zombie genes, and they're the brain cells that are more active soon after death. And a lot of those cells are um, like parts of the brain that sort of respond to the brain dying. And they have this like frantic activity where they're like, oh my God, what's happening? We have to fix this. And then, hmm. you know that's a lot of it but anyway so i guess this study just opens up a bunch of doors to say if we start testing if we start uh studying living brain cells and like having them die artificially then we can study this better die artificially how do we like artificially dish as okay. opposed to like testing a brain that's already dead to say oh what happened to it gotcha yeah so could we like theoretically then like grow brain tissues like in a petri dish like from like stem cells have like little yeah you know, maybe i'm sure they're if they haven't done it, they're mini probably brains. pretty close yeah like little mini brains that were never inside a human and then let Ew. them die and then see what happens that's a whole uh that opens up a bunch of ethical questions like is it wrong to grow a brain just to watch it die it's a good title i mean for that's basically life right <laughs> i guess that's okay but like at least the people get to live a while before you know they're not just grown only to die. Well, just a brain by itself. Like, when it, that's consciousness there, right? Well, not, not necessarily, because, I mean, like, you could have a very simple organism that has a brain, and, you know, there's different levels of consciousness, right? Like, how self-aware is it? You know, if it doesn't have that prefrontal cortex mm -hmm. that humans have, it's probably not at that same level of consciousness. So awareness. it's okay to let it die. Well, I mean, then, then we just go on the whole entire thing of why would we grow a brain synthetically without giving it that? Wouldn't it be it's way kinda, radder to just create this like horror movie? Yeah, but then it would mm -hmm. be sad yeah. and a waste. But we wouldn't like know a, that we hurt its feelings because well, there's nothing else. It's our just souls a brain, would know. A brain in a Petri dish, right? Brain That's in a Petri dish is a good just album. Name it. <laughs> Name it Petey. Yeah. Petey the Petri dish brain. Yeah. yeah. It's totally got consciousness, but it doesn't have any other senses. Hmm. Right. And that, well, that's the thing too. That's like, true. About, like the brain itself doesn't feel when you operate. Talk about isolation. Yeah. 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 Well, and like too, like consciousness depends hugely on perception. You know, if you can't see or touch or feel yeah. 
anything, if you have no sense of where your body is in space, if you have no sensory connection to the outside world, like what would your consciousness be like? Exactly. So what you're saying yeah, is you've never we should ex- grow brains in Petri dishes and right next to them we should also grow eyes and ears. <laughs> well, see, like when we go into sensory depriv- dep- yeah. deprivation chambers, right. we have experiences that we're going to hallucinate when we're in that. Mm-hmm. Like we have things that we've experienced that mm-hmm. it's, it's going to impact our experience in that chamber. Yeah. This brain doesn't. Well, I maybe, wonder yeah. what it would come up with. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's, you know, some types of blindness, some people that have a certain type of blindness can like have, you know, mental images that they, they can visualize in their mind's eye. Like but, shapes, at least, based upon what they Oh, yeah, felt. I mean, like yeah. full-on images. And, and I, it depends on how or why they're blind or right. if they had vision and then they didn't. But, um, yeah, maybe they could have some kind of capacity of, you know, like where, you know, spatial, you know, recognition or... The concept of like a square or yeah yeah this there or that you know yeah, it's, it's very interesting i love how amoral science can be <laughs> it's well, great i know that's why we don't need robots performing science we need to keep it as humans you know no yeah i think so. no can i do it mm-hmm yeah Oh, you're going to be doing it a lot more in this episode than all the other ones. <laughs> episode right, 101. Save, I'll save it up. <laughs> I know a Cyberdyne Systems model number 101. Surprisingly, there's not too much AI Skynet in this episode. At least, not like directly. I'm sure yeah. directly it'll We could up. infer it somehow. Yeah. Um, well, that's boring. Don't worry. You'll, you'll get a chance to talk. Kind of segue into our next topic. Um, scientists have found the neurological switch that enables human brains to grow so much faster and larger than other primates, which is kind of like one of the one of the defining characteristics of humans. Obviously, is our brains and our consciousness, and our you know we have all those wrinkles and folds in our brain, and basically we like squished our brain because there's just so much more surface area there. We've squished in more brain matter, and uh, they've isolated the gene. I believe it's called Zeb two, um, which is responsible responsible in short for how how much or how fast the brain grows and when it kind of stops increasing in size um which is fascinating um but just because it's bigger doesn't mean that's necessarily smarter right because like elephants have brains that are way way bigger than ours but uh they're not necessarily smarter than ours so it's not necessarily more is smarter per se but it's hard to argue that um, the size of, or it's hard. Yeah, it's hard to argue that the size doesn't matter when it comes to humans' brains and our This might be too simplistic, but like, what if the bigger the brain gets, the harder it is for it to just perform its basic functions? Like, it takes so long for the signal to go across the surface of the brain. Yeah, you want no, it to be I, small and compact. I don't think that's a thing. No. Maybe it is. <laughs> Maybe it could be. Um, but basically, they've um studied this with um yeah little like brain tissues and petri dishes it sounds like it says new research comparing different types of brain organoids which are miniaturized masses of brain tissue grown from stem cells um they've studied uh human brain tissue and gorilla and chimpanzee Mm -hmm. brain tissue and um basically like these these neural stem cells um they'll grow in like these certain shapes um, and then after they've reached this certain size and s- certain shape they'll stop growing like more to- yeah they'll grow they'll stop growing into more brain cells it's because of the size and the shape that these stem cells 
grow into that eventually halts the the development of the brain cells. And so they've found out a way to either um, excite or inhibit that response. And um, they've tested it on the uh, gorilla and chimpanzee hmm. brain tissues in the Petri dish. And they inhibited the ZEB2, which made the brain tissues uh, grow uh, for longer and faster. Yeah. I mean, you've got to be careful, though, because there's only so much room in the skull, like, unless we start getting bigger heads. You know? Right. Well, yeah, that, I mean, that's the thing. That's why we've got, like, the, the wrinkly, all folded up kind of brain is, yeah. that, is that creates more um, more surface area, more more space for brain matter. Um, so, yeah, it sounds like this is still early on in, in testing, but it's, it's pretty fascinating that they've tested this on human brain tissue and... Uh, other primate brain tissue it's not just like mice tissue you know usually we just do it know, on mice yeah. so this is nice. uh pretty fascinating like they're able to um you know again they were able to slow down the human brain mm -hmm. um uh, growth and they're able to accelerate and enlarge the gorilla brains what so if somehow accidentally next <laughs> you're probably gonna say this yeah go ahead <laughs> Yeah. No. So, I mean, yeah. So, like, the next step is, like, instead of just doing this in a Petri dish, you could do this with a gorilla embryo or chimpanzee yeah. embryo. And you could inhibit Zeb2 and see what happens to their intelligence. I was going to say, what if somehow accidentally we find a way to make humans dumber and gorillas smarter? <laughs> Fuck. More smart than we were at our regular human, you know, <laughs> measurement. It's a huge kink in the branch of evolution. We just all of a sudden got <laughs> hairier, really strong. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be horrible. Yeah, so that's where science has taken us on that front. Oh, uh, science. So many, it's a, it's a tangled web we weave. So, like I said, brains, it's not just about brain size. I mean, yes, size matters, but it's not just the size. Am I right, ladies? my god all right anyways um, <laughs> but uh, it's how the brain works and how the brain the neurons connect you know a single pair of neurons could have thousands or tens of thousands of connections that's those connections and how they fire when they fire that really make the difference but I wonder if they could like somehow take what they've learned here once it's perfected and make it so that like I don't know certain parts of the brain continue to grow and other parts don't you know as mm -hmm. opposed to making the whole brain bigger or whatever like right. they could inhibit the gene in some areas and then stimulate right. it right yeah or, I mean, yeah, yeah, know, yeah in others mm -hmm. so they can make it like this weird misshapen like you know <laughs> I don't mean to brag but my motor cortex is twice the size <laughs> of the average human no big deal um so they can use so when the you know the neurons fire it sends um uh, electrochemical pulses and anything that's electric is also magnetic so we can use magnetism to affect the electrical conductivity of the neurons and so um, over the past uh, I don't know, decade or two they've been tinkering with transcranial magnetic stimulation or TMS yeah for short it sounds like some sort of I don't know futuristic but at the same time sort of like steampunk kind of phrase you know <laughs> yeah just sounds like some trendy thing people would want to do yeah and like there's been a lot of like diy experimentation <laughs> That's <a> terrible idea <laughs> i know dude like, just like people just taking like powerful magnets and just like throwing it on their head mm -hmm. and then see what happens, see what happens. yeah people are, are doing this shit um and then scientists are doing it under the guise of science right doing it with but more control hopefully. yeah a little more controlled so um uh, and this latest experiment, uh, 
they they tested memory and um, specifically like uh, visual memory. Um, they had people watch these videos um, after they had been uh, transcranially stimulated magnetically. Yeah. <laughs> Try to say that as awkwardly as possible. Um, so they TMS them. They watched these videos of people doing like mundane stuff like folding laundry or like parking the car and shit like that. And then afterwards they tested them and they consistently did better than the control group that did not get mm. Timsed. Interesting. Yes. I mean, that's cool. But I wonder if the study or hopefully some other study tested them for any kind of like long-term side effects of having magnets applied to their brain all the time. Like <laughs> yeah. you, there's going to be something I'm sure we'll find out later. Like, like, like they're assholes to their partners or something. Yeah. But their memory's like fucking crystal clear. Exactly. They remember every single screw up someone else did and their mm-hmm. relationships fall apart. Yeah. Well, on Tuesday, <laughs> March 2nd, right. you said. Mike has that kind of memory. So maybe somehow he's just being exposed to magnets constantly and we don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. I I forget very few things. That's true. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I used to be like that as a kid. I like remember like quite a bit up till I was about like 11 or 12, about middle school. Then, you know. Maybe you just. But before that, I felt like I remembered like almost everything that had happened to me, you know. So exhausting. It is, yeah. I was telling Mike that, I mean, I remember things and I remember dates and whatever, but like in general, my brain works more um, like on themes and like a like content than like chronological um, categorization. Mm-hmm. Like he will be like, this happened. Like he remembers what date our first date was and like what time it was and everything. And well, I'm just like- Well, because he loves you. Well, no, yeah, it's but, not because but, of that. No, yeah. no, not because of that. <laughs> not because of that. The numbers but guy. I remember like thematically, <laughs> I'll remember certain things like in one category, even if they happen like years apart, you know, I connect them in that way. You're like, yeah, I remember so. dating you. No. All right, well, you know, but he remembers specific. I remember being free too. Oh my God. <laughs> No, uh, no more magnets for you. (laughs) My head works like quite like a computer. Like it's just, I remember so many things. I'm able to, I'm able to figure out like a program, like go into a program, barely even used it. I'm able to just pound my way through it and figure it out. Most of the, like I do audio engineering. Most of what I've done is Mm -hmm. self-taught. At work, uh, we use Oracle systems. I'm able to just like pick it up after one or two uses. Like, and memorize it and walk people who have been doing it longer than me through processes that they should know better. It's just, I don't know. I don't know why my head works like that. But that's like my memory is so fucking sharp. Like there's like the, I remember shit I don't need to remember. Yeah. I have flashbacks of shit that are just useless. But I don't, I really do wonder because yeah. you get tired more easily than I do. Oh, big time. And I feel like, you know, mental exhaustion, mental oh, yeah. fatigue is a thing. Yeah. yeah I yeah. wonder if that's detrimental, you know, which is, goes back to what I'm saying about like, how many times do we need to do this magnetic thing to people before yeah. it might affect them? Well, I forget, do we, maybe I forget. Did we talk about it in a previous episode about how, um, like forgetting is actually like an, an important. Yeah. We've definitely talked okay, about Okay. Yeah. That. It's your like brain, defragging your brain or something. Yeah. Exactly. Like you don't yeah, need to hold even on. said that specific yeah. phrase, yeah. I think, if I remember yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. It is like a computer. No, you have you, to just put it to sleep sometimes. You don't need to remember most of the shit you see. Yeah. You don't. Your day to day, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. The amount of day to day I remember is just stupid. Yeah. But then like you pointed out, I get tired. 
I get exhausted. Like I do, I, I manage to stay awake a long period of time, but by the time I finally crash, yeah. it's like pure mental exhaustion. I mean, it's too simplistic to say you get yeah. tired because of your memory. Cause you obviously like you have a different kind of job than I do and you have different hours than I do. And all those things make you tired also. I have but all the hours. I just don't know if that's connected. And you don't tend to remember your dreams very often. Mm-hmm. I remember most dreams. Yeah, it has to I'm be. Unless I'm like sad about something that I don't remember them. But It has to be a very significant dream. Yeah. For me to remember. Speaking so, of dreams, if you want to go down a weird rabbit hole. No. No. <laughs> go no, 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 go for it. <laughs> kidnap me, you won't even let me talk. Well, that's so, how most kidnapping <clears throat> works, yeah. The supervisor... <laughs> just like... The supervisor that I hired at my job, um, he has a big beard and a bit and long hair, right? Okay. And he ties into a ponytail every day. And on Tuesday night, going into Wednesday, I dreamt that he had shaved it off and cut his hair. Mm. He dreamt the same night, the same night that he stole ten million dollars, and in order to not get caught, he shaved his beard and cut his hair and came to work like that. That's mm. weird. Mm. Did and you we, guys have some sort of conversation about I, uh, mass I, robbery and shaving no. beards? No. So I, I was out on the. We were out on the patio. We we're taking a real quick break. And I looked at him and I told him, I was like, you know, I had a dream about you Tuesday night about shaving your beard and cutting your hair. And he was like, what? And then he told me his dream. And we were like, oh, shit. That's what very What are the weird. odds of that? Unless, well, weird. didn't you recently shave your beard off? Like two months ago. Well, okay. Yeah. There's got to be some other connection mm, besides yeah. just like, this is a coincidence, you know. But anyway, I don't know what that has to do with the memory thing. It's just we mentioned dreams, so I went down that road. Well, yeah. yeah it's yeah. all connected. I love dreams. Yeah. The hippocampus um, is inhibited, I think, during uh, sleep, and uh, and the working memory, and the, which leads to long-term memory, is is uh, highly correlated with the hippocampus. So it makes sense that since the hippocampus is either not active or just barely active during s- dreaming, that you don't form those active mm-hmm. working memories or short-term or long-term memories. That's true. So it's, it's amazing that we remember any dreams like whatsoever. Oh. Um, yeah, and yeah, it's interesting. Like exa- we, we always think more is better. So like, oh, well, like, of course, like more memory would be better. Like, let's mm-hmm. throw the magnets on. But like, yeah, there might be some some other effects. Like the brain is a very delicate balance. It's like, I think it was like almost like an orchestra of like, you know, tons of instruments. There's all these different um, areas of the brain doing different things and how they how they interact and how they coordinate. It's like mm-hmm. an orchestra of all these different musicians all vibrating and doing different things at the same time and how you get them to Make one interact purpose. makes different different states of consciousness and different states of awareness or different, you know, functions of the brain. And you can't just be like, more drums, more drums, more right. drums. That more makes cowbell. it better because drums are good. Yeah. So more cowbell. Or like, <laughs> after a while, it's too much fucking cowbell. So Exactly. We've all been there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess if magnets aren't a good idea, how about ultrasound waves? Yes, absolutely. I'm Even down for worse. it. <laughs> um, yeah, so ultrasound, vibration, vibrating air really, really, really fast. That seems um, more dangerous than magnets. I don't know why I feel that way. I guess because we've all seen magnets just like in regular life and we've played with them and whatever. But like ultrasound is something you usually only experience when you're <laughs> under the care of someone who knows how to use it. We've all played with magnets on we, the head and have, stuff, not right? Not your head, but you know. <laughs> I mean, in this case, hopefully it would be with a doctor, yeah. not just DIY ultrasound. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know how many people are DIYing ultrasound. I guess if you have access, like all these doctors after hours are just going into the hospital messing with the ultrasound. I wonder if you could play with like a synthesizer and like dial it up past, you know, like 25,000 hertz. Hmm. If any synthesizers can do that. Put your head right on it. Um, so anyways, um, yeah, ultrasound's used for all kinds of things. They tried doing it with, they did this crazy uh, process. What they did was they used ultrasound and injected micro bubbles. And I'm not sure what are inside these micro bubbles. I picture them kind of like the boba tea, you know, with a little, <laughs> yes. but like smaller. Micro boba. Yeah. Um, so they... They inject these micro bubbles, and then with the ultrasound, it relaxes the uh, blood-brain barrier, which mm-hmm. is like this casing around the brain that doesn't allow certain chemicals and stuff to get through. See, again, it's like it seems like a horrible idea to just be like, well, <laughs> let's let that down and see what happens. Open the gates, right. let the micro bubbles in, yeah. and then um, what happens is, and I'm reading kind of verbatim here, is that dormant microglia, uh, which then take up the amyloid into their lysosomes where it is digested so the mm. there's little microglia neuron cells that uh, take in the the micro bubbles um, and then it causes like that plaque that uh, is associated with Alzheimer's so it's like this like, protein plaque that gunks up on all the neurons those um, die off and yeah. are discarded I mean that's so, good so and then they specifically say when micro bubbles are not overdosed the procedure is safe so I can't imagine. Okay, so what the ultrasound the ultrasound is kind of like a Trojan horse to let in these micro bubbles, yeah. and then the brain absorbs these micro bubbles and kills off the plaque. But if you accidentally overdose someone with the micro bubbles, first of all, how would that happen? Second of all, at what level is it an overdose? And third of all, what uh, are the effects if you have too many micro bubbles? Is it just like does it start killing off? more than the plaque maybe or like i can't imagine that happening yeah i don't have any answers for you and yeah, they hopefully didn't, they, uh, <laughs> they didn't really say what happens if you od on micro bubbles right it's a terrible way to go i'm sure yeah. but uh yeah that's more exciting news on the alzheimer's front i feel like there's just always new um new stuff fighting against Alzheimer's lately, new drugs, new techniques, and it feels like we, we've got to be so close to just eradicating or uh, greatly diminishing the effects of Alzheimer's. Hopefully, because that's one of the big ones that just it can really mess people up, and they could be like relatively young, but then, you know, because they have Alzheimer's, they age like mm. before their time. I still, like to me, it, it sounds like people are saying it Alzheimer's. Oh, yeah. Alzheimer's. Al- Alzheimer's. 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 I put a T in there. Yeah. I know I say it that way, Alzheimer's. Because it feels weird if I don't do that. Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's. Yeah. It sounds like you're missing something, which I guess they feel that way all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Sick Alzheimer's burn. <laughs> I'm really good at those. <laughs> okay. Um, Hmm. I don't know how to segue into this except just to do it. This is one of my favorite articles, I think, that we're going to do right now because I love stuff like this. I'm an artist, as you all might know, and everybody on this podcast has been or is a musician. And I feel like this kind of applies to people who do those sorts of things. Um, So (laughs) apparently now we have technology that can take someone's imagined handwriting and turn it into text on a screen. So, everyone knows about Stephen Hawking's um, ability to communicate. Um, If I remember correctly, he was able to move at least part of his hand and 
type and then a machine would read what he typed you know so he wasn't completely paralyzed but this technology works for people who can't move anything even to type if you're completely paralyzed um but at one point um, maybe you were able to write on paper you can imagine in your brain um you know yourself writing something down and electrodes that are hooked up to your brain can turn that thought into typed words on a screen which i think is really cool like your your brain is really good at imagining um a gesture or like the the muscle movements necessary to perform some function Mm -hmm. and then the electrodes can pick that up from your brain and pretend like it actually happened basically you Mm -hmm. know so imagine a man who can't move at all but he's still able to remember what it's like to write something on paper um he could still communicate with the help of these electrodes and the computer they're hooked up to him, his brain and this computer, you know. Um, I think that's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. That we can do that. So, specifically this, <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking about like how much of this I want to get into, but I think this part is even more interesting. This guy was paralyzed from the neck down and he imagined writing letters softly into his hand and then a bunch of researchers used an algorithm to figure out what neural patterns uh, that would encompass. And they like isolated those and paired them up with each imagined letter and then programmed it into the computer, you know. And then the computer learned to recognize his imaged mm-hmm. gestures and turn it into whatever letter they needed. So his brain activity produced 90 characters or 15 words per minute which I don't know if that's like really good, but according to the article, that's uh, about that's as fast like as the average typing rate. fuck. Two finger typing. Okay, so <laughs> they say that's as fast as the average typing rate of people around the participant's age on smartphones. That makes sense. I <laughs> that's a nice way old. of it's saying. It's like, <laughs> you're old as fuck and your typing is slow. <laughs> so not, nonetheless, that's pretty impressive for a mind-reading device. It's impressive because I imagine like all technology, hopefully they get, you know, the funding to continue to perfect it and make mm-hmm. it faster. And and it might be that his brain activity, like who knows if it's the average rate based on his condition or whatever. Like it might be different for different people. They might be mm-hmm. able to do faster too. So. so could you imagine though, like what if like, you get this uh, implant and program to interpret the you know neural patterns of uh, like how you talk to yourself in your mind and it turns that into t- type Ooh. words and then like what so you just you know have that inner monologue that inner voice you but know talking and then it types it. it out yeah exactly then everyone can see like your thoughts and even like, like you couldn't like turn it off like oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> fucking bitch blah, 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 blah. and they're like screw you and they unplug you yeah, from life support. Right, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I can see where that could go wrong. I could see how some people would be like mm-hmm. the crazy kind of asshole to do that mm-hmm. if we're going to segue into this next character here. Yeah, so, <laughs> you know, Elon Musk is, you know. The craziest. And, yeah, he's, he's a funny character and he's going to Mars and he's going to space and all that shit. Um, some people don't know or maybe forgot that he has a, a company called Neuralink, which mm-hmm. he's trying to interface computers with the human brain. Um, just like we were talking, we you can implant a, a chip into the brain. You can interface the wires directly into the brain or you can wear like a wireless cap, yeah. but that doesn't, you know, it's not as 
fine-tuned as just a wire to neuron kind of connection here's the problem i have like i know that elon musk gets mixed reviews quite often and Mm -hmm. i have my own mixed reviews about all the stuff he does but it's like at what point do we worry about this like rich guy just doing all this stuff you know (laughs) having this technology maybe he's not the one running all the studies but he's in control of it what do you and how do we know how ethical he is like he's just like i've got money fuck you i'm gonna like go to mars and control your brain and make these cars that are expensive as shit yeah. I, don't, I don't know what you could be possibly worried about so he's <laughs> interfacing supercomputers with the most advanced biological system the universe knows You're and right. creating rocket technology that can take us to other planets what could possibly go wrong i for one welcome our new techno elite overlords so you're down with the musk you're, that's what i'm yeah. saying in case he's listening yes <laughs> <laughs> actually one of the one of the things uh, about Neuralink, the reason why Neuralink exists is he's afraid that super conscious ai oh in the God. future are going to be discriminatory against humanoid organic brains and he wants Neuralink interfaces to help mask oh. uh, the organic old school human brain from the brain scans of the AI so that the AI thinks that, oh yeah, that's just another computer. Ha hmm. ha, got you. I'm just half human, half computer. That is kind of cool, but then also I will still say like, it's so crazy that we're that worried about AI at one point being such a threat that we have to wear these like mm-hmm. disguises on our brains to make sure they don't take us over. It's a high tech tinfoil. Yeah, hat. exactly. Right. Um, but no, this this short little article from Consequence says that uh, by the end of the year, if everything goes swimmingly, um, Elon Musk's uh, Neuralink will be implanting uh, computer chips into human test subjects by the end of the year. And we'll see what happens. They've already done uh, demonstrations with um, pigs, yeah. which we might discuss in another episode, exactly. and with uh, monkeys, where basically the monkey could play a video game with its mind just like oh the, not holding the control right not holding control yeah. just thinking just like how th- that previous thing talked the about how they can hand write stuff just with their thoughts yeah they got primates playing video games just with their thoughts if there's one thing we need it's more monkeys playing video games i will say <laughs> that's what's missing from my experience of the world mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. but i mean really like i don't want monkeys to be able to control things just with their thoughts like can you imagine what they would do they throw their poop around. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even have to reach for it now. They could just make it fly through the air. Just, Maybe. Just, at you one know, point. harvest more bananas. <laughs> probably it's more bananas and more sex, probably. Yeah, probably. More video games. Yeah. More Minecraft. <laughs> God. I mean, okay. Also, who is going to volunteer to have these brain chips implanted into their brain? Hopefully it's volunteers and not just like, we don't realize it's happening. You know, you go in for like a blood test and they're like, oh, let me slip that in while I'm at it. You want to go to Mars or you want the computer chip? It's one or the other. It's true. What would you rather do? Would you rather risk going to Mars and not making it back? Or would you rather have a a prototype uh, computer chip could I take Stop. someone with me to Mars? Would it be going alone? You could bring a monkey Absolutely whose brain. <laughs> no, 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 but it's a monkey whose brain's been, uh, you know, Mask. grown oh, with, okay. with the Zeb 2 okay. inhibition, transcranially uh, uh, stimulated, so it's got great memory, yeah. ultrasound, and a computer chip. Okay. No. <laughs> I no. think. I, okay. Hmm. Here's what. I don't know. I want to say I'd rather go to Mars because. A chip in your brain, to me, feels like a more permanent problem 
Because when mm-hmm. you're going to Mars, it's still you. Like whether you're traveling to some other planet or not, you haven't been changed by any technology other than like whatever you need to survive well, in there. Well, space changes you quite a bit. You're yeah. you're in space for like 18 months, and then you get to Mars. Yeah. Like that, the microgravity really does fuck up shit. Okay. If and I go you're, with and someone. you're exposed to hell of radiation in space. Like, well, they can't shield you from all the radiation in space, and that's kind of like true. a big deal. Hmm. But the brain, the brain implant from Elon Musk, I don't know. That's a hard sell. If yeah. Mike would go with me to Mars, I would say that. But only after our <laughs> cats have like passed away or something. Like I wouldn't want to just leave them here and be like, well, you guys figure it out, you know. I think that's probably like the worst idea to have a couple spend like 18 months inside a capsule in space and just launch them off into towards yeah. Mars and like, yeah, let's see what happens. Like, no, like that's just asking for divorce. Hello, we well, survived. We divorce. There's no courts up there. We like, survived you know. the 2020 lockdown together. Right. We're good. That's true. Okay. And it's okay. still going on, really. So yeah. it's like, you know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sorry. Yeah. We've already gone through all that right, test. Right. That's actually a pretty good test. Like, yeah. how did you fare during the pandemic? You might be a good candidate for Mars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Want to get out of the house? Well, how about going to Mars? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you and your spouse end up divorced during the pandemic? <laughs> I would maybe try like version 2.0 or 3.0. With, with the that chip wasn't implant. an option in your selection. I would have <laughs> well, said got, that. You, if it, don't you make up of, your own categories. You got to think of these things, mm. Nina. You gotta, if only I had a chip in my brain, I probably would have thought of it too. Exactly. That's exactly. the thing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I'd jump on board for version 1.0, but... Uh, okay. That's fair. Yeah. Mars... The... Like they straight up say, like you're probably not going to make it back. Would you travel to the 2.0 version of Mars, or would you? <laughs> <laughs> Mars basically is Earth 2.0. Yeah, that's true. Um, hmm. Hmm. Okay. Moving on to this next one, which is probably the least brainiest of them all. But you know what? It but- actually made me think the most so far. <laughs> I'm serious. Okay, so <laughs> there is this like great and terrible picture that accompanies this article. And I don't know if I should describe the picture first or talk about the article. Let's just describe the picture. Okay, Let's. imagine um, a hand facing the camera so that the thumb is on the right side. Okay, and you see the palm facing you. And the hand is just like raised in the air with all the fingers splayed out the way that you would um, be ready to catch a ball or something. But attached to that hand, crossing the palm one way and then down the wrist the other way, is this sort of like strange apparatus of elastic looking uh, bands and then uh, rubber, I don't know, attachments so that um, (laughs) on the other end of this apparatus, there is um, an artificial thumb that basically faces in opposition your uh, real existing thumb on the right side. That's like the longest, hardest way to describe that. You could. Just I like, love doing things most complicated ways. <laughs> you could just like, there's a fake thumb attached to the pinky side of the hand. Boom, done. No, but this is more interesting because it paints a picture and it makes you wait for the punchline at the end, which is boom, extra thumb. Six finger death punch. Right. I was just going to ask, what would you do? Now we know with an extra thumb. So the weird well, thing about this is that like the thumb to me looks way bigger than a regular thumb because it's like sticking basically at the, um, mm-hmm. the base of your palm where it meets the wrist. So and it reaches all the way up to your pinky finger. It's well, do too you, big of a thumb. That's that's how long your finger bones actually are, though. Like your, your finger bones actually do go all the way down to the wrist. Your fingers are a lot longer. Well, I guess it's because like the artificial thumb isn't curved the way that all yeah. thumbs are. Like no thumb is ever like this, just sticking straight, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, 90 degrees. Like adjacent, yeah, or mm-hmm. 90 degrees, right. But this one looks like it is. Um, 
Well, it's an artificial thumb. You can do whatever you want with it. I guess you can. So uh, people in this study um, basically wore these artificial thumbs. They're um, connected to their hands, uh, like physically connected, but they're controlled um, through sort of, I guess, like an electrode kind of process. Um, and the people who wore the thumbs, they made the thumbs move by touching something with their toes. So whatever the thumb is hooked up to, it went all the way down to their feet and then their toes. I know, I thought oh, that was weird too. Okay. Their toes would um, like physically manipulate and maneuver the artificial thumb. Because okay. it's not hooked up to any nerve endings, so you have to move it somehow, I guess. And maybe their thinking in the study was, let's see, let's see how the brain uh, could operate when it's like, I don't right. Know, using another limb to manipulate this one because they weren't going to hook the artificial thumb up to your brain, actually. Yeah. What kind of maniacal? That would be like an Elon genius. Musk level kind of. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So we got the motor cortex that's responsible for motor coordination, mm -hmm. and like it's it's really interesting um, looking at like like there's a a huge portion of the brain is dedicated to like the tongue because we use the tongue for talking and chewing and stuff. Yeah, so tasting, it takes yeah. up a lot more real estate than. Your, you know, your, your elbow, mm -hmm. you know, part of your motor cortex. Until you hit your elbow, and then that's like all you can think about. <laughs> then it's the whole brain. Right. Um, but yeah, your hands get a huge chunk of the motor cortex because we use it like for so many things for, you know, all the manipulation and for sensing touch and heat and all that stuff. So it gets a huge portion of the motor cortex. Yeah. And so, yeah, so if, if you're moving your toes now operates a new phantom limb basically a phantom yeah, thumb that is a good it's way got to a, test yeah it'd be interesting to see like how the motor cortex uh rewires itself you know that that neuroplasticity the basic conclusion of this study is that it's possible for your brain to learn how to operate a mm -hmm. limb that you in addition to the ones you're born with mm -hmm. so i would assume like the application of this wouldn't just be if someone lost their thumb could their brain operate an artificial one in its mm -hmm. place this is more like if we wanted to augment people's existing limbs which is crazy i think yeah like i don't know again you know 14 just because we can doesn't mean like <laughs> 14 fingered monkeys right i mean humans <laughs> yeah. think of many video games they could play with their yeah. brain in that case no music that's the first thing that comes to mind for me is oh, right. like fingers are totally necessary for Stringed basically any, any instrument you want mm -hmm. you want to play you've got to have lots of you know finger dexterity and coordination that's you true. got 11 fingers 12 fingers 14 fingers. Yeah. You could be killing it on guitar. Yeah, on imagine drums. those, one of those like double necked guitars. Like if you had a triple necked one, you could play with all 14 fingers. Oh it's so easy. Would yeah. you though? I mean, this is the thing. Like, could that be. It could it be too much, I think is really what it is. So. Just because you have a bunch of extra fingers and can do all this crazy shit doesn't necessarily mean you're going to make something great. Not like true. no, like, like just the other day, I came across that video again of the world's fastest guitar player, like mm -hmm. playing yeah. the Flight of the Bumblebee at like yeah. 400 BPM or something. It didn't even stop. It's impressive, but yeah, is it just, fun to listen to? And then you just no. hear him going, and it's done. It's like this is like technically it's impressive. Mm -hmm. Probably could do it with 14 fingers. Is it something I'm willing to listen to? Though? Do we want to hear? Maybe Probably if you have not. four ears instead of two, you might be yeah. able to process it. No, it just it. makes shit louder. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So I, I've I've seen that and that like for all those like speed contests, like that's that's the one song they used to, like yeah, the to make of it the official. Bumblebee. Yeah. Fly of the yeah. Bumblebee. And so like I mean that's just like a demonstration of like the speed. I'm sure he it's does that. Some other cool some other cool songs. Oh, I'm sure. Well, I'm sure if he's capable of doing that, he's probably capable of composing something cool. Mm -hmm. But 
just because you can do it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be good. Right. Right. Like I hear a lot of these like prog metal bands out there doing insane shit on the guitar. Mm -hmm. After I heard it once, I've heard it a million times though. It's not at a certain point. It's like, is this music or is this just technical bullshit? Right. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. There is a difference between demonstrating skill and making like a so yeah a beautiful mm-hmm. song to listen to I'll stick with my five fingers on my left hand fuck you <laughs> right, well, what, power well, chords I motherfucker mean, yeah let's just say okay well, what if you could just do it for like a day what yeah what, what, what do you think you would enjoy or what would you like to do with you know six four, fingers and extra thumb dangerous questions right now four thumbs four One, thumbs four yeah. thumbs oh two, like total yeah. not four two, extra ones like four <laughs> extra <laughs> thumbs just go all out just they're on your forearm or shoulder you know, no wait put one like at the base of your uh, neck you know when you can't scratch your back correctly you just you just kind of thumb that your part spine in the middle like you can't has reach. this yeah. <laughs> just half of a like thing from the Adams family just mm-hmm. on your back just, yeah. imagine like being like on a first date and it's like you, oh, you put God. your arm around for the first time you're like what the fuck oh yeah that's just my 14th thumb yeah it's just so I can scratch myself God. masturbation would, would get really I interesting told you he was that's gonna, the yeah. first thing Nina said too mm-hmm. yeah. well, I wasn't thinking of that for me I was just saying most people will jump to that yeah. and here we go but here's yeah. what you could do I mean you could play Street Fighter by yourself but, like, oh, you could have, go. like, yeah. like you could play against yourself on Street Fighter if your brain's coordinated enough yeah back to the masturbation thing oh, God. you'd be using your toes to, to guide your thumb. Yeah. Okay, well, that's So it's a thumb how... job. Or, 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 it's a, a foot job. A, a, a foot job, a toe God. job. Yeah. Okay, well, that's how but this the foot jobs up, exist, like... though. Like, that's a thing. Oh, yeah, right. yeah. Right. This, this, like, temporary, you know, study, that's how it's set up. But I would imagine that, like, it was designed to see if the brain could take it. So I would imagine the next step would be, okay, what if we hook this limb up to, like, your actual brain, not just, like, other appendages? Then yeah. Yeah. masturbation might be less creepy. But probably not because it's still a fake thumb. It's not like yeah. made of skin. If you look at the picture in the video, it's a 3D printed thumb mm-hmm. that looks a lot like um, the sort of like, what am I trying to say? Like what crutches are made of, that like yeah. gross gray plasticky metal, you know? I'm, I'm sure they could do like some of like the sex doll fake skin. Oh my God, so you know. creepy. You know, texture. I'm sure they can make something cool out of it. Okay. Well, in that case, okay. Yeah, I never underestimate the loneliness of millennials. <laughs> no, in 2021. I never will. And they're yeah, the ones driving just, technology right exactly. now. So that's exactly what's just gonna happen. Straight up you a have, vibrator as like a, oh, a second God. thumb. You have a bunch <laughs> of your toes. Social, socially like inept, people anxiety-ridden people yeah. that can't meet. <laughs> Like, they're either going to use their extra thumbs to swipe harder on Tinder or fuck themselves. One of the two. <laughs> That's it. You hit the nail on the head there. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm sure this is perfect. I don't think anybody in this new age bracket nope. would have a problem fucking a, a 3D printed thumb. Um, mm-hmm. As creepy as that last statement was, I still think the creepiest thing is within the article where they say that um, this has great applications to make workers more productive. Oh yeah, of course. It's like, do we need them to be more productive, like more productive than they are with their existing digits? Yeah, what what exactly? I mean, maybe data entry people. Yeah, I. That's what Reno said. But the typing and like. But like other people, like. I feel like on an assembly line, you can knock out a few people next to you and just use your extra thumbs to. Your average forklift driver isn't going to need an extra digit, you know. Well, if they want to like 
give their other your thumb average a rest uber and, like what does your uber driver need five thumbs for maybe they finally like fucking they use their fucking blinkers every once in a while there you go uber you, drivers you could give somebody 20 bl- fucking thumbs if they don't if they don't <laughs> yeah, want to hit their won't. indicator yeah. they're not going to yeah. <laughs> you need to put a thumb in their brain in order to make that happen yeah. buddy yeah, like you, I mean, unless it's like some data entry, like I'm going to use like four hands in my dick to start typing up Ew. reports. Okay, there's really no reason for more extra productivity. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I think, I think like once you get that thumb on there, like all these kinds of new possibilities would open up that you wouldn't even think of. Like that's true. I don't know. Like holding something better <laughs> like i mean if you have the grip of a thumb on each end of your hand instead mm-hmm. of you can make sure you right. never drop that vase or whatever you know right things that normally take two hands only takes one so okay that's actually there'd be like weird a good point side effects you know like weird things you wouldn't even think of that would be be a, a you know, result from that this sounds kind of dumb but i imagine like a lot of people who are taking care of infants would probably appreciate it you know what extra thumbs yeah because they're always like having to hold the baby and then that way their whole hand is taken up Mm. so they can you know like reno said sometimes you need two hands for things so if they're trying to like be around the house i don't know cleaning or picking things up you know what i'm talking about it's like you're pulling a basketball you just pick them up by the head and like this is so much easier (laughs) why is this so squishy Uh oh Oh michael jackson the baby over the railing see wouldn't have almost dropped yeah exactly okay folks he's got a lot of extra thumbs he's not like don't worry He knows what he's doing. Nothing to cry over spilled milk about. Right. That's, oh, that's, oh, I, oh, I see what you did there. there. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, did you I'm know? I'm not even trying to interrupt him. How are you guys fucking up these segues still? Because, well, maybe that's why. Because I was kind of like waiting for the interruption. And when it didn't come, I, I was like... No, oh, I was what? given explicit instructions before we hit the record button. Everybody don't talk while the other person's talking. Oh, that's true. And well, made it all lame and shit. Now I'm behaving myself and you guys are still I know, failing. I don't know what to do. It's so unexpected. <laughs> you guys suck. Yeah. Okay. Why don't you cry about it? Right, exactly. I am. I mean, this know? is a 101st <laughs> episode. I can't believe I'm still doing this shit. Did you know you there like are it. some people who can't produce tears at all? And I'm not talking about like they can't cry. I'm talking about like their eyes are, um, you know, dry. Yeah, I was looking for some dry adjective, but like they're eyes. always dry, like perpetually dry. You know, exactly. Ben yeah. Stiller, right? No. Ben Stein. Ben there. Stein. Yeah. One of those. You, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, some people can't produce moisture in their eyes at all, and they so have must to be, have all these like extra drops and things. And, it must be really weird, like crying, but like no tears. Like you're still like it would hurt face spasming and I like. Know. <laughs> Yeah, I, I imagine know, it's like that your the eyes nose are dry still heaving. runs. Yeah, right. <laughs> you save a lot on Kleenex. Though. Oh my god, yeah. your eyes are dry heaving. It's like Dude. trying to vomit, but nothing's coming out. Dude, that that must really hurt. It would hurt, and there's no relief. Like you you're know, just, if you really cry and you're really upset, and then you like wipe everything away, and you're like, ah, that's better, you know. Yeah, but you don't have any kind of nothing. Yeah. Well, your makeup would never run. That would come in handy. I would imagine it being painful. I think yeah. it would be. Which would make you cry even more. Right. And then, <laughs> you just said that your, your whole face is just fucking contorted and people are like, I was like, are you upset? What the fuck? Did you right. smell something bad? Tears. What's wrong you with you? You must be okay. Got 14 fingers, but I can't fucking cry. Oh, see? That's how will, society will go down on that note. Um, yeah, there are some people who can't produce tears at all. And, um, and they I, don't listen to this podcast anymore because they got fired. Right, they got made fun of and now they're going to go cry about it, but it'll take forever <laughs> for them to produce tears. Burn. So a bunch of, <laughs> a bunch of scientists uh, were experimenting in this area to see if they could help these people out, basically. 
and um, they grew a bunch of stem cells in their lab that were designed to mimic human tear glands and they ended up successfully making those um, stem cell experiments cry so another um, <laughs> reference to organoids here these cell clusters or organoids um, could one day be transplanted into um, real people's eyes and then they could fix this dry eye disease um, <laughs> but the way that they did it i think is so weird like it just sounds creepy okay so they they made these miniature tear organoids they put them in petri dishes um and they isolated cells from healthy tear glands and then they put them in the petri dishes and then they supplied them with a steady stream of a protein-rich solution called growth factors um and this was sort of like designed as like a catalyst to make the tear glands cry so i guess in like a normal um human eye that works correctly and can produce tears um you get like um an adrenaline signal to your tear glands um like via a chemical message from your neurons and that's mm -hmm. what tells your tear glands to produce tears and to cry but people who have this condition they don't i think they don't get that chemical message or maybe it's like garbled on the way and doesn't come through correctly so in the lab they were sort of bypassing that and just directly injecting this sort of adrenaline signal into these tear glands and it did make them cry um, but because the organoid clusters weren't like hooked up to any actual ducts they just inflated and looked like water balloons in the petri dish you didn't see <laughs> tears like come out of anything they just kind of like swelled up with the fluid so i thought that was kind of gross but it makes sense interesting anyway they could apply this technology to people who have all these we're joking but they're like really serious autoimmune conditions that create this problem so exactly what millennials need to cry more what? <laughs> <laughs> we're not we're technically not millennials right we so can make fun of them we all we of want mm -hmm. um cool so yeah. more tears less right. fears exactly um, and you know you read about this next one this also has to deal with vision yes tell us about it I don't know it might kind of bum you out I can take it I, okay. I survived the pandemic can you I mean mm -hmm. we're, we're gonna find out um, <clears throat> I think probably everyone who listens to this podcast has experienced um, optical illusions like do you guys remember those books they used to have Mm -hmm. I showed all these pictures of like, you know, optical illusions, basically. Yeah. Um, so there is a study um, that ended up finding out that people who are experiencing clinical depression see the world differently. And the way that they found this out was they showed a control group and then people who were depressed, these optical illusion images. And they had like, um, each group had a different reaction to them, which I thought was kind of weird. So the point of the study was to see how the cerebral cortex handled an optical illusion and if it was um if it perceived things any differently in patients who had depression versus people who didn't and it did so they have a couple pictures here of the different optical illusions one of them um is sort of like a brightness focused one where even though um the square inside of these two different squares is the same color in the first square, um, the outer edge is darker, so it makes the inner square look lighter. And in the second image, the outer edge is lighter, and so it makes the inner square look darker. So 
but they're the same color actually. And then in another set of optical illusions, there's like a, a contrast and pattern sort of difference that makes the inner squares look like different shades, but actually they're all the same. And the people in the control groups, even though they perceived the optical illusion, they could sort of tell like, okay, I know that this isn't really how it is. It looks like an optical illusion, but I understand that inner squares are the same colors. And the depressed people are like, I don't care. No. <laughs> it doesn't they, matter. No, no. <laughs> it's just a fucking illusion. They, <laughs> Everything's an illusion. Yeah, the depressed people didn't get that far because they killed themselves. So. Oh, oh, dang. Whoa, that, that's, that's a little too dark. much. That's a little too much. Whatever. All right. So the depressed patients perceived the contrast part of the optical illusion differently than the non-depressed individuals. They didn't really experience a difference in the brightness illusion, but for some reason the contract, contrast illusion, there was like a, a greater difference in non-depressed individuals and depressed individuals. So even though the study makes it clear like we have to do more studies like this with more groups of people and bigger groups of people, there is uh, a suggestion that people who are depressed literally see the world differently and their cerebral cortex is processing things differently and sort of telling their brains things in a different way, which is interesting. I wonder if they could, or if it's uh, like a two-way street, like if you were to like train these people's eyes to recognize and perceive things differently or, you know, process that visual data differently, that that might in turn help them be less depressed. Oh, I don't know, maybe. Cause like there's not. no like the, what uh, I forget what it's called, but there's like a a rapid eye movement kind of therapy where like yeah. you you, I, you wiggle your eyes, you look, you blink fast or something. I don't know what it is, but you mm -hmm. you look at all these different things quickly or something like that, and it kind of scrambles the brain or something and scrambles the signals and helps you like reprocess. Yeah, I kind of remember that stuff. too. I'm yeah. totally butchering that, but people listening no, know. And they should send us a message because no one ever messages us. Right. We'll message give you a shout out in the next episode. Correct like, this thing. Thank you, Timmy, for telling us about that exactly. eye therapy thing. We hope your depression gets better. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, like who would ever have thought that like you're depressed and you like literally see the world differently. You're processing sensory input differently. Yeah. I mean, in some ways that makes sense because even if whether it's like because your brain is processing things differently it makes you feel different or if it's because you're so depressed that your brain function is hindered right. either one is kind of arguable yeah the way they put it here they say the reason why the the contrast themed optical illusions had such a difference with the depressed and non-depressed people is because it's orientation specific and it relies on cortical processing and so people who are experiencing major depressive episodes, they have normal retinal processing, like they see stuff fine, but they're, they have altered cortical contrast normalization. Just like I always said. I know, right? <laughs> Checks out. <laughs> you need to fix your cortical normalization processes, yeah. Bob. But then they also say like, it's possible that whatever medications these people were on might've been affecting, you know, mm. their processing. And so who knows? They have to yeah. do more tests, more studies, obviously. Yeah, if, if they're, you know, a lot of the depression medication affects like the serotonin mm -hmm. uptake. And it's not, it's not like, oh, ser more serotonin makes you happier and less serotonin makes you sad. Yeah. Like, it, it's not so it, simple. Yeah, it changes how you sleep, how you eat, your mood, your, you know, how you see optical illusions. Yeah. Yeah, so it's. Brains that 
a finicky little beast. They do say there's similar results in people with schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. So at least they're saying mm. it, it seems like there's a common theme here. People who have these kind of disorders experience the same sort of differences in processing. Yeah, it'd be it interesting seems. if they could use, uh, you know, maybe like supplement, you know, like therapy with maybe medication and like, you know, like this eye training, cortical renormalization. Yeah. Could be part of the, uh, the therapy. Um, the next one, Nina, you're going to take it to. This one's also about optical illusions. Ooh. And this is, is yes, this specific. This is this specific to the California coast or is this just anywhere or? Mm. Well, you know what? I'm going to say just based on what I read in the article, I'm going to theorize that it could happen anywhere. But it does specifically talk about certain mountains in California where people have seen these sort of like creepy, I don't know, Blair Witch type shaped figures. If if anyone has never seen that movie, just like go watch it so I've, you know all these references. I've never you, seen it. You're the one that was like, this looks like the Blair Witch. It does. Poser. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I've seen <laughs> the previews. I mean, yeah, that's true. I that's lived, all you What need. was that, like early 2000s? Yeah, something like that. It's but, not that scary of a movie. I feel like the the people's reactions in the movie and the way that they all freak each other out as a group mm-hmm. is scarier than the actual content yeah. of the movie. But anyway, yeah, apparently um, these figures, they look kind of like um, a stick figure with the legs spread out and um, sorry, and the arms like um, straight out, almost like the Da Vinci's Vitruvian Man yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah. Um, except way creepier because they're silhouettes, basically. They have been spotted around the California coast for more than 300 years, apparently. The Santa Lucia or San, Santa Lucia mountains? I feel like Lucia, probably. Yeah. But, you know, Californians, we're going to pronounce it however we want anyway. So San Luca. Matter. Yeah, right. So if anybody wants to go there and see if you see these um, sort of, I don't know, creepy stick figures, go ahead. But here's what people say. So they see them around sunset or in the afternoon and they look like tall cloaked figures that are just sort of staring back at these people who are hiking around the mountains or whatever they do up there. And then they disappear within a few minutes. Um, And they've been deemed the dark watchers (laughs) and they are sometimes 10 feet tall or three meters if you need that kind of measurement. Um, (laughs) And they look like they're wearing sinister hats and capes, uh, which I don't know. To me, the picture looks more like there's no hat, but what do I know? I haven't ever been out there and found these people. But That's just one picture. And they call it a Brocken Spectre is of the name of the optical illusion. Yeah. Is, I guess one name. Or, I like Dark Watcher. That's pretty Yeah, it sounds menacing. more like a story. Like, yeah. I might be a Brocken Spectre for Halloween, but I'd call myself a Dark Watcher. Yeah, that's the way you would yeah. do it. Yeah. Maybe if you had one of those knockoff costumes that wasn't allowed to use the real term, then they would call it the Brock Inspector. You know, but apparently these these four ninety nine. You could be a Brock Inspector. Maybe they would spell it with like hyphen n too yeah. instead of just like the whole word Brock Inspector. <laughs> yep. <laughs> anyway, apparently as early as the seventeen hundreds, the Spanish reported seeing these apparitions, and they had their own name for them, obviously. But it translates to the Dark Watchers. So, and, and to be specific, the Spanish conquistadors that came to the West Coast, like it wasn't in Spain; it was in. Oh yeah, California. I'm sorry. Yes, right, yeah. Right. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah, so they would come here, and in the seventeen hundreds, they apparently saw these. But like Reno said, there is a name for this um, sort of optical illusion, and it's the same phenomenon 
that makes people see faces on the moon or like the images of Jesus on like the tortilla or all the stories you hear, like the burnt toast, all those things. Um, it's basically just, first of all, like our brains are designed to seek patterns and very often they're designed to spot humanoid shapes where in fact it's just a collection of random shapes, but our brains are designed to see people and other things and definitely to spot patterns. And way up there in the mountains, that effect can be amplified by a bunch of fog or clouds that are like floating low to the ground. Um, sometimes there's shadows that are cast against those clouds. And then that's, that's the Brocken specter that Reno was talking about. So, I mean, still though, like it'd be creepy if you were hiking up there. And even if you knew there mm -hmm. was a scientific explanation for it, it might like kind of give you a start for a second to mm -hmm. see that. The same way, like if you're walking down a hallway where you don't think there's a mirror and then you see yourself, you know, and you're <laughs> like, ah, you know that it's, you know, but it still scares you for a second. Does that, that happen to you often? Not in a <laughs> house that I live in, but like if it's some, you know, unknown place. Yeah. Ah, you didn't oh, know. Okay. it's just me. <laughs> yeah, every time I go to the bathroom mirror, I'm like, ah. Always gets <laughs> Someone's me. watching me. Oh, never mind. <laughs> right, whatever. Anyway, yeah. Um, so there's a bunch of mist up there in the mountains. And when there's shadows reflected onto that mist, then you think you're seeing a dark watcher. And maybe you are. Who knows? Maybe they are always there. And the only time we see them is when these shadows are cast. Mm -hmm. And the shadow could still be coming from them, not any other natural thing up there. Who knows? Who knows? Mm -hmm. Science doesn't know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Brain plays tricks with us. This could be like a source of a bit, like some like ghost stories or like apparition Definitely. kind of stories. It's yeah. just just bad optics, basically. Right. But I mean, who's to say? Like, if there <laughs> maybe maybe that is us actually seeing ghosts every time that you know there's like a phenomenon like this that's easily explained by certain things. Maybe that's the ghost finally able to get our attention. Maybe we write it off as some scientific thing, mm -hmm. and the ghosts are like, "God damn it, we finally got them to see us!" <laughs> right? Like, of course, there's a physics. <laughs> this is a physics to how they see us, but. right? Um, so this this last thing, where this last uh, topic, this could be quite the rabbit hole if you're yes. willing to take the blue pill. Definitely. Maybe you've already taken the blue pill. Wait, wait, stop, you know stop, 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 stop. Yeah. Hold on to your go. butts. <sighs> you don't take the blue pill if you want to go down the rabbit hole. You take the red pill. Oh, is it the red pill? Yes. Oh. Well, okay. I've been taking the red blue pill. pill the whole time. Yes. <laughs> Shit. It gets better? Right. Yeah. The red pill is what opens your eyes. The blue pill keeps you... Why, wow. do you, why do you think they picked those those color schemes? Yeah. It could have been red or blue or green. Why do you think they might they chose red? Because blue is passive and red is active in terms yeah. of like color, like thermal kind yeah. of. Yeah. I would, that's what I would, that's go what I would yeah. guess. Yeah, blue is kind of like the safe. Yeah, yeah. It's like red's yeah. like adventurous the and receding, daring. Yeah. Red is caution. Oh, well, that's true. There you go. Yeah. All right, well, here comes the red pill. Here we go. There you go. Um, this uh, this article we found from Vice, it's uh, about the CIA and how, like in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, they were really interested in like uh, telekinesis and psychic abilities. Um, we caught wind that the Russians during the Cold War were researching, you know, psychics and remote viewing and telekinesis. And then we're like, well, shit, if the Russians are doing it, if they beat us to us, we're fucked. Right. That was so, our way of thinking about everything back then. You know, they kept it really hush hush at the time. The CIA was, you know, 
trying to pull psychics and mind readers and all these kinds of things in and, and seeing if they if there's really something to it and if they could use it for natural defense or reconnaissance and all that kind of stuff. It went on for quite a long time. They did this with LSD and all, all kinds of stuff. So they were really interested with the metaphysical, paranormal um, possibilities of, of the mind and the brain. And so this um, story is about in the 80s um, the spy, the, the CIA investigated the gateway experience technique, um, which uh, the the gateway technique implemented uh, a few different um, methodologies. Um, first, kind of spearheaded by Robert Monroe, mm. who back in the fifties and sixties was experimenting with um, sound and how sound patterns can affect. Um, humans uh, alertness sleepiness or expanded uh, states of consciousness altered space, uh, states of consciousness um in the mid 50s he was obsessed with um sleep learning yeah i remember that he exposed sleepers to sound recordings to boost memory of previously learned information and that had like a resurgence in the 70s for sure when people were mm-hmm. like we're gonna do this you know this works um he said, uh, well, I'm just kind of reading through the timeline. This will, will build up to um, to the effects of this gateway experience. In 58, while experiencing experimenting with sleep learning, uh, Monroe discovered a really unusual phenomenon. He, descri- he describes it as sensations of paralysis and vibrations accompanied by bright light. And this happened um, about nine times to him over the process of six weeks, and it culminated in an out-of-body experience. Has anyone ever had one of those, these podcasters uh, sitting here now? I've had sleep paralysis, and I've actually been able to induce uh, sleep paralysis, and it, and it is connected to sound, actually. Yeah. So, um, and it's quite terrifying. The sleep, sleep paralysis is not a very fun thing to experience, but it was an interesting... Uh, thing for me to explore when I was younger. That's what everybody says. It, it's scary. It. Yeah. Um, basically, like, you know, like the, when you're in a super quiet room, you hear like a ringing or like a white noise. Um, basically, if I focus on that, it kind of pulses and almost like um, crests into a wave and kind of shocks me. And it can get kind of annoying. Like if, I, if I'm like, you know, rolling around in bed middle of the night and I notice that sound and I can't stop focusing on it. It's hard to like ignore it and it just can grow in intensity. Um, so if I focus on that and try to let that build, eventually it grows so loud and so powerful it like zaps me into a paralysis. Mm. I'm I can in that. never sleep with complete silence and maybe that's why. I don't like, I yeah. like to have like a specific sound to focus on otherwise mm-hmm. I probably would, you know. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, it's just interesting. Maybe you want to experiment that at home if you're listening. Um, anyways, um, the Monroe guy, he, he has his own industry, his own um, company that's doing all this kind of research. Um, he creates all these like cassette tapes that help you, um, you know, work on learning and stuff and just kind of modify the brain a little bit just through sounds and whatnot. Um, he published some stuff about out-of-body out of experiences in the 70s. And then, um, yeah, in the 70s, the U.S. military gets interested oh, in here we ESP. Go the well, yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. 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 They're interested in ESP and telekinesis and psychokinesis. Um, 
in the early 70s, mid 70s, uh, Monroe registers for the uh, patents concerning audio techniques designed to stimulate brain functions until the left and right hemispheres of the brain become synchronized. He, mm. he calls this hemisync, right? So you could think of the brain as basically having two, it's basically like two brains, two hemispheres, and they're connected by the corpus callosum. And right, the left brain does some functions and the right brain does some functions and they do some together in tandem. But, you know, it's like you got two different orchestras playing at the same time. Yeah. What if you got them all playing the the same mm. rhythm, the same pattern, the same song? I don't like that's that the, idea. That's, that's the idea behind this is that, you know, the brains are doing two different things and, you know, they're, they're not necessarily in sync. So, you want to pause it or... No. Okay. No. Anyways, that, we heard a weird noise in the room, but maybe it was just us focusing on the white noise. Could be a Brock inspector. Who right. Knows? Exactly. <laughs> I don't like the idea of the hemispheres in sync because it, at that point, it's. I mean, maybe it's healthier if they are, but yeah. like just for a second, to me, it seems sort of like why would you have two hemispheres that focus on two different things if you try to make them so in sync? It feels like communism yeah. works. Just like <laughs> everyone be the same, you know. Like, <laughs> I'm a sings communism, man. That's the man. last thing I want. <laughs> you want your brain to be communist, man? No, fuck no. The red scare. Yeah. Um, so one way later on, he, they describe like, okay, your brain is kind of like, like a lamp emitting light kind of in all directions. And it's actually not a very efficient way to uh, project light, right? That's if you have true. like a flashlight or like a laser beam, mm -hmm. it's far less light, but it's directed where you want and it's concentrated and it's more illuminating. Yeah, but what's cozier? If you have a room, would you want to have like a laser beam lighting it or a soft glow of a yellow lamp? Well, uh, that's the thing. Maybe sometimes you want the soft glow and sometimes you might want a laser beam focus on something. And okay. Yeah. So uh, you don't have to stay in the laser beam focus all the time. That makes sense. So anyways, um, yeah, mid late 70s, he's got these um, audio techniques to get the left and right brains on the same wavelength, so to speak. Um, so let's see here, jump to the early 80s. The CIA report analysts and assessment of the gateway processed is produced. It provides a scientific framework for understanding and expanding human consciousness, out of body experience and altered states of mind. It is kind of interesting how the CIA did a report on this, like because a lot of people I think still are like, oh, this is bullshit, you know? And definitely back yeah. then, I think a lot of people were like, what is this? hippie nonsense yeah. the cia basically endorsed it at least at that point right the cia said like this is like uh a how-to for reaching these altered states of consciousness which we'll talk to or talk about in a sec um one example is that in 1989 this remote viewer um helped track down a former custom agent who was like MIA, it was AWOL for some reason on the run. Um, this uh, remote viewer um, used this process to um, find this person um, somewhere in Wyoming, in a town called Lovell. And if you can find someone in Wyoming, that's <laughs> fucking impressive. Or maybe it's not impressive because there's like so much spread out space. It's yeah, easier to spot someone. Okay, okay. Yeah. So anyways, yeah, that, that's just one um, anecdotal you know, story. Maybe it's just luck or happenstance, whatever. But there is that uh, that story of them actually using that. In 2003, the CIA approved the declassification of this gateway mm. process, and um, in 2017, 12 million pages of records <laughs> revealing unknown details about the program um, 
were released, and it's all kind of under the Project Stargate ah, that sounds uh, familiar. umbrella. Yes, yeah. yes. So this is part of Project Stargate. Um, let's see here. So there's there's some some background information that they want to give, um, but basically um, he used like hypnosis. Um, transcendental meditation and then biofeedback as ways to tune the brain to get this hemisync and to explore altered states of consciousness or you know directing the consciousness of the brain um, I think we all have an idea of what hypnosis is so I won't go into that um, transcendental meditation um, is just a concentration um, they said that they'd have the subject uh, concentrate on drawing, drawing energy up the spinal cord and, and up into the um, right hemisphere so that they could stimulate the right side in order to balance things out. Um, um, with biofeedback, um, basically you could be like watching a screen or hearing noises. I think usually you're watching like a screen. And depending on how you're thinking or feeling or what you're concentrating on, you get visual cues that either reward or punish you for, you know, um, thinking the right way. So it, it, it's a really good way of actually training the brain to operate and think a certain way. So like if, you know, maybe like levitating a ball on the screen when you're thinking the right way, the ball will levitate. And then if you concentration breaks, the yeah. ball falls. So like you are, you're trying to keep the ball levitated, something like that. So the basically they're, they're trying to get the hemisync. They're trying to get the left and right hemispheres synced together. Um, but he's got a whole process of that and basically he uses that and binaural rhythms which is the um, auditory, auditory hallucination or phenomenon where you can have uh, one frequency in your left ear you have to be wearing headphones you could have you know, a low pitched you know, 20 hertz in the left ear and a 30 hertz in the right and if you heard those two waves um, without the headphones those two sound waves would bounce off each other and they'd create an interference pattern. Like if you dropped, uh, if you had a pond and you drop a stone on one side and the stone on the other, you watch the rippling of the waves. When they meet, they create a new, you know, interference pattern and a new, that interference pattern is basically kind of like hallucinated or imagined by your brain. If you have like just, a third tone, basically. Right. If you've yeah. got one in the left ear, a second one in the right, your brain perceives that third inter interference pattern, even though it's not really there. Those sound waves never met each other. Yeah. But your whatever that frequency is, your brain will will match that frequency. So you you could your brain could be primarily oscillating at a faster, high focused um, frequency, or it could be slower. And what they are saying is, and this is where it gets a little woo woo, uh -oh. where you're getting deep. The, the Schumann resonance of the of the Earth is like something like seven point eight. So like mm -hmm. the, the Earth itself is itself is kind of vibrating at about seven point eight um, cycles per second, which is too slow for us, too low for us to hear. Elephants could hear it, of course. But basically, they they try and tune the body and the brain to be in resonance with that um, frequency of the earth. Um, around that frequency is right about where you start falling asleep. The brain is practically asleep or like deeply, deeply relaxed, like end of yoga in a Shavasana. 
oh right okay. state like you're not quite asleep no I get it. yeah so yeah. space like shavasana a state of consciousness so um what they do is they get you really calm your blood pressure lowers they get the circulatory system and the skeleton the organs they say like your whole body is actually vibrating at this schumann resonance around seven to seven and a half cycles per second um, the resulting sound waves match the electrostatic field of the earth and the body and earth and other similarly tuned minds become a single energy continuum. Hmm. This is from the CIA's manual. So, uh, do do do. Skipping ahead. Uh, let me see if I can just jump down to the technique part. Here we go. Um, so there's like a seven-day course that the Monroe Institute Gateway Tapes um, give to get you to transcend space and time to have an out-of-body experience and be able to do remote viewing or ask questions of the universe or do all kinds of metaphysical shit so the first part is um, they teach the subject to isolate any extraneous concerns using a visualization process called the energy conversion box. I think most people will get stuck on that first step. Because <laughs> well, a lot of people aren't good at meditating and they will mm-hmm. say as much. You know, they're not good at focusing, they're not good at like mm-hmm. emptying their mind of all thoughts but one or whatever, you know. A lot of people can't do it. Yep, so maybe that that we've yeah. all got the capacity, but but that's where the buck stops is can't get past that first part. The next part is resonant humming. The individual is introduced to resonant humming through the utterance of a protracted single tone alongside a chorus on the tapes and the mind and body achieve a state of resonance that seven and a half hertz and then the next is the gateway affirmation the participant is exposed to something close to a mantra uh, called the gateway affirmation it's something along the lines of i'm merely a physical body and deeply desire to expand my consciousness there's something I find creepy about that, if we can pause here to talk some shit for a moment. A lot of these mm-hmm. things are really similar. Like, I, I don't know if all of our listeners know this, but I think you guys do. That I, I tend to, like, go here and there, like, get into Wicca and then out of it again. Like, mm-hmm. I really like it. I like a lot of the stuff about it. I don't like any, like, religion or organization or group that says, and now everybody chant this thing, you know? Mm-hmm. It reminds me too much of the Catholic Church or like any any kind of like portrayal of a cult, you know, where a bunch of people are like, and now I must mm-hmm. say this thing in order to achieve this thing. Like that's where I draw the line with any. I am merely a body. Yeah, I deeply I don't, desire like, to expand it, my consciousness. And it's okay to like, I, I would almost rather think it than say it out loud. And that's that's my like edit if I get into any of the wicked stuff, you know, here and there. Because I just, something about saying it out loud makes it so stupid. <laughs> it's the repetitiveness. It's indoctrination. Yeah. Well, I don't that's think... What, that's mm-hmm. what you hate is the indoctrination. It's yeah. Like, it's almost like a brainwashing coin tell yeah. bro kind of MC ultra shit. And I don't mm-hmm. like the idea of like someone else telling me what words to say to achieve an effect that they perceive themselves as in control of you know 
So anyway, but like a lot of this stuff um, lines up with other things that I've read from other areas and other schools of thought and whatever. Like I read somewhere that um, I think it's your alpha brain waves match up with the frequency of a lot of the stuff and like the waves that the earth puts out basically. Like if you mm-hmm. get into the alpha state, that also aligns you with the earth and that's cool. But All this hippie shit it's not, it's not, <laughs> look. It's a CIA man. Right. It's a CIA man. Bunch of man. hippies. Yeah. <laughs> They're in the their problem, campfire, their CIA campfire, smoking their CIA okay. ganja. The problem with hippies is that they got into a lot of this stuff and they made it popular, and so now everyone thinks that it's hippie shit. But it was around way before hippies, you know, that's the thing. So, anyway. Damn you, Reno. Damn you. <laughs> but there's something about, like, saying a phrase aloud to me that's just like, okay. Yeah. I think... I, I'm not sure, but I think um, these mantras can be repeated, like, mentally. Like, you don't have to yeah. say it out loud. But yeah, I think there, you're just trying to get inside your head and you know, creating that that script that I'm merely a body. I want to expand my consciousness. Mm-hmm. I'm just a body. My consciousness can expand. Like getting that like really dialed in is part is part of this step. If you don't like fully believe that, and if you're not like thinking about that, then yeah. you might not be able to transcend into these out-of-body experiences i don't think i fully believe anything like part of me is always like mm, but this could be bullshit you know like so that's <laughs> yeah. where i fall apart with all these things but anyway, right right yeah. this could all be just psychosomatic who knows right well it probably definitely is but it, it doesn't matter because we're experiencing it these people who do this they experience it and to them it seems real anyway so what's the difference well if you they know? can find people in wyoming i don't know yeah yeah I, th- I think uh having a doubt on any of these things is healthy mm-hmm. you know it's not like there's no real way to ground this in some like hardcore science or anything like that yeah. like any kind of wiccan shit any kind of mind reading shit it's kind of like shit. you know i mean it's just like reno can pretend like he's reading my mind but i mean what is it there's all those psychics out there that well, just pick up on like words he- that, if I he knew accurately he does, <laughs> you know, sure, exactly. I'm sure you did. You know, there's no way to prove it 100. So therefore, yeah. having a healthy amount of doubt in it. Yeah. But that doesn't yeah. mean you have to completely discount it. Yeah, like science is all about being able to falsify it. Like you have to be able to prove it wrong and be able to prove it right. And like you can't prove this wrong, just like you can't prove god like you know someone says like god exists and you know no that, does it. yeah you, you can't falsify it. there's no yeah. way to prove it wrong so like you can't scientifically prove it so it's kind yeah. of beyond the scope of science um so after they do that affirmation um they do the hemisync um binaural uh, rhythms in the ears to get the brains to sync up um they add pink and white noise, white noise sound, to help uh, keep the body in a state of relaxation. And they're also trying to calm down the left hemisphere. I guess the left hemisphere is more active than the right, generally, mm-hmm. so to balance it out. They is that the one that questions things? Probably, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, your left <laughs> so side is your ana- you yeah, analytical, the artistic yeah. side is the right side. So, yeah. there yeah. you go. And so then, so once they got, the mind has to, be, the body has to be relaxed, the, mind, the brain is all synced up, and then they do the energy balloon step. This is the individual is encouraged to visualize the creation of an energy balloon beginning at the top of the head, extending down in all directions to the feet and then back up again. There are a few reasons for this, but the main part is that the balloon will provide protection against conscious entities possessing low energy levels that he or she may encounter when in the out of body state. Ooh. Yeah, so I think that's, that's common in many um, like shamanic uh 
uh, processes and and rituals and ceremonies is like you have to ask for protection because there's these external entities that are on these higher planes that can do damage to you so you need protections from your from angels or from your power animals and so this is kind of like <laughs> their version dodges of this. And okay, door. The, the thing, so again to translate this into like other schools of thought like my favorite version of those things that reno mentioned is like the idea of your higher self guiding you Mm -hmm. And that might be kind of arrogant, but I like that one the best where there's this idea that, you know, there's you and then there's like your primal instincts and there's like the you that you show the world. And then there's like the idealized you. And then maybe even above that is your higher self. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing you can call on for protection or wisdom or what have you during anything that you're doing. This makes me want to fuck with a Ouija board after we get done. Oh my God. That's a whole speaking of needing protection. Yeah. I still, even though I think a lot of stuff is bullshit, I feel like what if it's not? And if you're going to do that i still would maintain let's not do it like in our house go to a hotel or, just, or something just blow up that energy bloom for protection you guys just Dang. get a, right. get a fucking see. shaman that's yeah, cool mm-hmm. just invite yeah. a shaman over hey protect me while i play with this parker brothers board game <laughs> right um hey even though it's parker brothers it's still i don't know you could have a mass-produced thing that accidentally connects to some real shit mm-hmm. you know it's possible um okay so once you got your your protection built up with the energy balloon uh, the focused twelve. Mm. I, don't why, I don't know why it's called focus twelve. Like but the, the next disciples. Step, no. Yeah, I don't know. Twelve <laughs> notes of a musical scale. I don't know chromatic right. scale. The practitioner consistently uh, can achieve sufficient expanded awareness to begin interacting with dimensions beyond their physical reality. To achieve this state requires conscious efforts and more white noise from the sound stream. So maybe that's just kind of like that white noise helps um, like block out, hypnotizes like, you. Yeah, like to, to put fit, it really plainly, I guess. Yeah, I think it like helps block out like distracting noises that would bring you back to this this dimension. This plane, right? Yeah. If you're interacting with all the sights and sounds that are happening right here, right now, how are you supposed to be on the other dimension too? It's too distracting. Almost like you can't see the stars out when the sun's out. The stars are there, but you're being overstimulated by the light from the sun. Yeah. Once the sun's gone, you can see the stars and moon. So I think and that's then- what that's much maybe, in the same way like maybe you get to the point where you don't need the white noise crutch you can just probably, know yeah. that the stars are there so to mm. speak and do the technique anyway and then uh from there basically i say like once uh focus 12 is achieved the subject can then employ a series of tools to obtain feedback from alternate dimensions um they can do problem solving like personal difficulties or technical practical problems um Consciousness can be um, used to achieve desired objectives in the physical, emotional, or intellectual sphere. Healing techniques can be used imagining certain colors. Um, There's the energy bar tool. This technique involves imagining a small, intensely pulsating dot of light that the participant charges up. He or she then uses the sparkling, vibrating cylinder of energy formerly known as the dot, to channel forces from the universe to heal and revitalize the body. So you can kind of focus laser energy to heal the body. I don't want to mention this because I don't, if I do, then Mike definitely will, but I feel like he's going to say a joke here, and then if not, then never mind, just kidding, no. Never mind. Keep okay. Going. What? No, let's do this. No, 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 no. I'll no. talk some shit. No, it's fine. It's my if job. you weren't already gonna do it, then it doesn't. It won't be funny. Go I ahead. honestly stopped paying attention. You big, said <laughs> big Reno dick was, energy. Right. You know, was describing <laughs> the dot of light that then becomes like the sparkling, vibrating cylinder of energy. 
like a dildo. I mean, I wasn't the one that went pervo here. Well, you weren't paying attention. It wasn't your fault. Yeah. Don't beat yourself up about it. Nina's picking I'll up beat the my slack. dick up about right. it later. Oh, my God. Once you, you have go. an extra thumb. It was called the energy bar tool. Just saying. That sounds I'll better. two-hand this shit. Mm. Um, and then a follow-on technique from the energy bar tool is remote viewing, where you can turn the dot into a whirling vortex, which individuals send their imagination in search of illuminating insights. And then a more organized use of the energy bar in which streams of different colors flow from the dot onto correspondingly colored bodily systems gives you a living body map. Um, they Then eventually, um, this is a seven-day training exercise, by the way. It says approximately 5% of the people move on to wow. beyond that. There's focused 15. This is mm. beyond 12. Um, they can travel into the past. Um and focus 21 is moving on to the future and then just straight up out of body um, uh, um, movements um, this is all from the gateway technique which the CIA um, I don't want to say if, like they condoned like, it analyzed. but they said like this is how you this is how you do it this is how it works this is their operating manual for alternate states of consciousness um there was a, one bit that I didn't really get, but it's talking about vibrations and how everything's a vibration. You know, matter is a vibration, and your thoughts are vibrations, and energies are vibrations. And um, basically, to be able to transcend space time and your consciousness, uh, you'd have to get your, your thoughts vibrating at 10 to the 33rd power. That's a one with. Three thirty-three zeros behind it, which yeah. is like vibrating so fast. It's like uh, I think like the the wavelengths are actually smaller than the Planck Planck's distance, um, which is like the smallest. So like you can't measure it really. Yeah, or? it's like yeah, like Planck distance is basically like the smallest uh, bit of time or a bit of space um, possible. So like, yeah. if you were to pixelize the fabric of space, like it. We can't get any smaller than like a plank, plank is dis- one pixel kind of right okay. exactly yeah. beyond that like there there is no pixels so basically if you can get your mind to vibrate at this speed uh, you are tapping into that uh, plank distance and being able to transcend uh, transcend space time yeah like the um, alpha and the omega of this technique yeah you are everything and nothing you so, are the universe. If you're interested in this kind of stuff, I mean, it's interesting. Who knows how how legit it is? Um, but it's it's on the web, and you can go download or pay for the gateway technique, and you can see all of the um, CIA's documents on this. Um, there's this interesting part. Let's see if I can find it. There's a missing page in the gateway report. Page 25. So weird that out of like all the pages, there's just one that's missing. Mm -hmm. So the bottom of page 24 goes like this, and I quote, and the eternal thought or concept of self, which results from the self-consciousness, serves the, and then it goes to the next page, but page 25 is gone. Mm, Maybe it was going to say devil. (laughs) (laughs) So um, change.org has a petition trying to get a request for this release from the FOIA, Freedom of Information Act. Um, it sounds like that's just like the key to life right there and the CIA is not gonna let that 
It's too bad it wasn't page 42. I know. Yeah, that exactly. So, um, yeah, interesting. I definitely would want some kind of, like, protection or, like, safety net, like, dealing with these, like, altered states of consciousness. Like, who knows how you could, like, mess up your brain or... Yeah. Maybe there are crazy, weird entities on different dimensions that could harm us if we were to just willy-nilly, you know, go into different dimensions. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Oh, very, very interesting, kind of a psychonaut kind of... Uh, Kind of thing here if you have any experience transcending space and time yeah. or remote viewing or out-of-body experiences we would love to know or if you Send have any stories, yeah. experience with this gateway technique hit us up because we want to know if you know where uh, page 25 is yeah then <laughs> yeah also if you've seen page 25 please let us know do we have an instagram or a twitter oh do we podcasts? can find us on facebook yeah, yeah. facebook yeah i yeah. feel like we should I don't know about Instagram. Instagram's very visual. It's very Podcasts heavy. are very yeah. not visual. And Twitter is very like stupid. I hate it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not so, I don't think Twitter's dumb. I just think you have to follow the right shit it, and ignore right. the other shit. Yeah. Like that's how I am. Like, I've wow. never I've never even given it a shot. So. I've never yeah, me neither. But we are on Facebook. If you want to message us there, you can find us at six degrees of rumination on Facebook. Please follow our page. And maybe one day we'll be on Twitter I don't know yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a no at this point unless producer Mike wants to you could you could follow producer Mike on Twitter and Instagram at the, with the handle at dead x guy oh I the, see yeah. but the chance of me actually speaking to you right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. going to be very, it's true, not yeah. the, it's not it's really not that I don't want to talk to you it's just my usage of social media is very regulated to just like small blurps. Yeah. That yeah. sounds like Twitter, yeah. I just I don't I don't spend much time on it. I get it. Like I mean, like the, our podcast we need a page, right? Yeah, we obviously. Have a page. My bands, they need pages. If I didn't have those things, I probably wouldn't be on social media. Mhm. Yeah. Simple as that. Well, maybe I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I do like taking pictures of my food, so. God, I know. It's so fun. <laughs> That's a whole other fucking like just, conversation yeah. we're not going to get into right so, now. Six-door yeah. Instagram is just a bunch of food. No, 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 no. It's just okay. like, no. today I had a hamburger with All my husband, right. producer Mike. It's like, Shut uh, up. No, my Instagram is just my art page, but yeah. my personal Facebook, yeah, there's a lot of food there. I like food. Who cares? I have her personal page is like yeah. taking pictures of food with me in the background scowling at yeah, her. Yeah, I like doing that. <laughs> It's the best like, background. Hold on, don't eat yet. And I'm just like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> what's your What's your art page though? Oh, Nina Boyd Art on Instagram and Facebook. There you go. Same name. What's your yoga shit, dude? Uh, Reno Gorman is Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. And it's Reno Gorman on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And Mike, I believe you want to plug something, perhaps? No. I guess yeah. So I got two things I could plug. I guess. Wow. You can follow. Down. You could follow my punk rock. Okay. No, I'm getting all lame. Uh, follow the Bitters. Uh, we're on the Bitter Insta- Sacramento. Yeah, the Bitter Sacramento. We're a three-piece punk rock band. And follow my cover band, Culture Clash. We also do rad shit. Woo! We play, Woo. Yeah. If you like new wave, 80s, pop, rock kind of shit, follow them. If you like three-piece power pop, punk rock, skater bullshit, follow the Bitters. Mm-hmm. Sweet. I follow yeah. both. 
There you go. So if you find them, you'll also find me anyway. Yeah, I know. She hangs out at all my shit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, anyway. It's true. Yeah. All right. Is that a wrap for this episode? Selfless uh, promotion or what was it? Shameless Shameless self-promotion. Yeah. I feel no shame. Selfless, mindless, mindless self-indulgence. That's an MSI joke. Yeah. Yeah. MSI fans will get it. All right. Anyways. Thanks uh, the, for listening. My favorite song of theirs, I can't say on the air now. None of oh, the songs. Yeah. Can yeah. Be said the the on new F word. Yeah, the new oh, F word. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a great song. That's an old can't it say is. it, though. Mm hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Back then, you could say it. Back then, back, it's back kind of then you could sing it. Yeah. Back then, you could sing it. Yeah. Back then, you could scream it from the rooftops. That's true. <laughs> Baby, I'm ready to go. <laughs> All right. Anyways, that's our episode. Thanks for listening all the way to the bitter's end. <laughs> oh. Ba-dun-tsh. Clever. Six Door with your host, Reno Gorman. Nina Boyd. (laughs) And their producer, Mike. Good night.